This is Illinois in Focus, the production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the final days of legislative action at the Illinois State House. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about tax and spend policies being finalized, legislation to address crime, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, the production of America's Talking Network. Listen to all our podcasts at americastalking.com. I'm Greg Bishop. If you're tired of the divisive rhetoric in our country today, America's Talking Network is for you. America's Talking Network is a new podcast hub where you can find civil conversations. I want to be a really great American citizen, and I think good American citizens should devote some time to knowing what's happening around them. Where you can find out what's happening in our country. Trucker protests in Canada might be coming to the U.S. Yeah, that's right. The Department of Homeland Security, they sent out a basically a memo to law enforcement warning them about this trucker protest. And what's happening right here in our backyard of Illinois. I was just reading a story about carjackings in Illinois and that we're already kind of on pace to beat the numbers from 2020 and 2021, where we you know, went out of our way to set new records. The only agenda that America's Talking Network has is to get America talking again. Go to americastalking.com to check out all of our podcasts. Once again, that's americastalking.com. This is Illinois in Focus, the production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. There's an agreement on a state budget to spend the most taxpayer money in Illinois history, and the $45.6 billion plan includes tax cuts. Governor J.B. Pritzker said there will be tax relief in the form of earned income tax credit, property tax and income tax rebates, and a freeze of the 1% grocery tax. There will also be a freeze on the looming 2 to $0.03 cent gas tax increase that's set to kick in July 1st. The grocery and gas tax cuts will be temporary. On groceries, a full year. On gas, again, uh, six months up to January 1. And then, you know, we'll revisit and see where we are with regard to oil prices in the world. Uh, market and how that affects our gas prices. Senate Minority Leader Dan McConkie said there needs to be permanent relief. Uh, not as what as some of the plan proposals are, which you have seen having checks arrive just before the election and then tax reductions expire right after the election. Republican senators said their permanent tax proposals would save taxpayers $2.2 billion a year. The Democrats' proposal with temporary relief will save taxpayers around $1.8 billion in total. Meanwhile, House Speaker Emanuel Chris Welch said it's abnormal to have an agreement ready to pass a full day before they adjourn. We have been very intentional about getting a budget out early, allowing you all and the Republicans to participate. But in the Senate, Republicans say they were largely left out of negotiations. State Senator Don DeWitt said a meeting they had scheduled Wednesday was canceled at the last minute, and that leaves Republican constituents out. They want to shut out five to six million people who live in this state who deserve to be considered when it comes to how their tax dollars get spent in this annual budget process. The exact budget bills weren't filed when Democrats announced the agreement Thursday, but they said they plan to file it soon and will pass it Friday. House Majority Leader Greg Harris also laid out some spending priorities earlier in the week when they dropped a 4,000-page tax and spend plan. There's an agreed guaranteed income pilot program for the Metro East area to the tune of $3.6 million for certain individuals that Harris said is a test of outcomes. As opposed to you know, the patchwork of um, 
them trying to get you know other sources of income through SNAP or TANF or the earned income tax credit and that kind of thing. Some of the tax policies include freezing the looming gas tax and the plan from the House Democrats required a sign on all gas pumps that says the increase isn't going into effect. Republican State Representative Ryan Spain said that that should be removed from the proposal. I mean, it does seem like electioneering, uh, you know, kind of giving further uh, evidence to an election year gimmick. There was no estimate on what that would cost. The Illinois Fuel and Retail Association considers that compelled speech and threatened litigation if it were to pass. When reviewing the House Democrats' plan earlier in the week in committee, Republicans remembered back in the day when they used to go line by line in a budget plan to craft it in a collaborative way. House Majority Leader Greg Harris defended the approach this year, where they dropped a nearly 4,000-page spending and tax proposal just days before adjournment. I think Super this year, because of the uh, uh, tyranny of the clock, as they call it, where you know simply you know the clock outran us with the shortened session. State Representative C.D. Davidsmeyer wasn't buying that excuse. It, it seems like this year you're we're trying to pretend like the April eighth date crept up on us and we didn't know about it. We knew about it the whole times. Session typically goes until May 31st, but it was shortened this year. The budget set to begin July 1st. Lawmakers are set to approve that plan without knowing how they spent tax dollars in a previous year. Fiscal year 2023 begins July 1st, and Illinois taxpayers still don't have the annual comprehensive financial report audited for the fiscal year that ended June 30th, 2021. Republican comptroller candidate Shannon Teresi said the report's three months late, and lawmakers are ready to pass a gimmick-filled budget without it. Comptroller Susanna Mendoza said getting the final audit report, it's not up to her. The controller for the state of Illinois, regardless of who it is or what party they're in, um, cannot possibly, like physically, you cannot put out the annual comprehensive financial report until the auditor completes their full audit. A spokesperson for the Auditor General said they don't disclose the status of audits. Mendoza said in the meantime, I did put out an interim report so that the legislators have an idea of what we're looking at. As Democrats continue to introduce proposals to fight crime in Illinois, Republicans say it's a case of rewriting history. Kevin Bessler has that report. After Democrats passed measures dealing with police funding, one GOP lawmaker accused Democrats of political amnesia in the wake of talk last year of defunding the police. Democratic State Representative Jahan Gordon Booth says she was never a supporter of such a notion. I've never subscribed to defund the police. I certainly believe in communities demanding uh, accountability uh, specific to the issue of policing. Republican State Senator John Curran says the latest proposals by Democrats do not go far enough in fighting crime. You have not seen one proposal from the Democratic side of the aisle, Senate or House, that has enhanced any accountability measure in the criminal justice arena. It's a complete failure. Republicans and several states' attorneys held a news conference Wednesday calling for the repeal of the Safety Act, which they say will allow murderers to walk the streets when cash bail is abolished on January 1st. I'm Kevin Bessler. Illinois House Republicans filed a resolution requesting the state's Auditor General to audit the Department of Children and Family Services amidst recent issues. Andrew Hensel has more. On Wednesday, Republican state representatives, including State Rep. Chris Boss, held a news conference to call for action to be taken against DCFS. 
Governor J.B. Pritzker was asked about the GOP's request during a separate news conference Wednesday and said that issues with the DCFS go back to before his administration. The very people who are holding a press conference downstairs are some of the people who voted with Bruce Rauner to underfund that agency, indeed to provide no budget at all for that agency. Boss told reporters that Pritzker cannot blame the past few years on Governor Bruce Rauner. Governor, the children who died in 2019, in 2020, in 2021, and this year cannot be blamed on your predecessor. House Resolution 824 was filed Wednesday requesting the state's Auditor General to audit the department. I'm Andrew Hensel. The House passed legislation in an effort to hold Russia accountable for the ongoing war in Ukraine. Kevin Bessler has that story. The measure, sponsored by State Representative Lindsay Laporte, directs state pension funds to eliminate any investments in Russian-based companies and sets up a group to study Russian money laundering in Illinois real estate. We cannot sit back and just wait for this to be over. We in Illinois have to use our toolbox to do our part. As one of the most comprehensive state responses in the country, this bill is a part of our part. State Representative Tim Butler says the images out of Ukraine are heartbreaking. And I think all of us have to look at that and say we need to do whatever we can as elected officials to respond in the way that we should. The bill also prepares the state to accept Ukrainian refugees. The measure passed by a unanimous vote and heads to the Senate. I'm Kevin Bessler. A measure granting administrative leave to vaccinated school staff for COVID-19 related absences. It's now law. Last year, lawmakers from both sides of the aisle nearly unanimously supported a measure giving paid administrative leave related to COVID to all school staff despite vaccination status. The governor vetoed the measure. On a partisan vote, lawmakers sent the governor House Bill 1167, which gives the benefit to only vaccinated staff. Pritzker said that provision is an incentive. What we're trying to do, of course, is to encourage people to do the right thing, to keep their students safe, to keep the rest of the school safe by being vaccinated. That's the whole purpose of that provision in the law. Republican State Senator Craig Wilcox said the measure takes away a local collective bargaining issue. But the bigger part is we're putting in a position where union employees are now going to be treated differently based on an arbitrary governor decision. So we think that's wrong. The law's effective immediately. Meanwhile, the governor said he hasn't read Senate Bill 1405, but's aware of it. It would ensure that family members can be by the side of their loved ones in the final moment of their life, and it found bipartisan support. The governor said COVID-19 may not be the last pandemic the state has to deal with. And so we want to make sure that whatever laws are put in place are appropriate going forward to make sure we keep particularly our most vulnerable people safe. The measure passed the Senate unanimously. State Senator Craig Wilcox, he said nobody should die alone as thousands did in the past two years. The measure wouldn't be necessary if the governor didn't go it alone with executive orders the past two years, he said. And Democrats were complicit with the unilateral rule. They had the ability to call the legislature in and have hearings, and so they tacitly supported the governor's plan of action. And a new report shows how a system change has led to over 2.8 million fines given out to Chicago drivers. That's more fines than there are city residents. Andrew Hensel has that story. The speed camera program was implemented by Mayor Rahm Emanuel back in 2013. Recently, the city has installed more cameras to help combat violence on the roadways. Adam Schuster of the IPI explained that the effort to slow violence did not work. And in this case, they're trying to use public safety 
as the justification. Unfortunately, the data does not show that these cameras actually uh, drive meaningful improvements in public safety. The city of Chicago currently has a large amount of financial debt, Schuster said, and are using the tickets as a way to boost revenue. The city of Chicago's financial problems are so bad, but its taxes are already so high that when they're trying to raise revenue, they try to look for alternatives to just another property tax hike or an increase in the sales tax. I'm Andrew Hensel. And those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at americastalking.com. Coming up from Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This is Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square. This is the Crosstalk Commentary segment, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Dan McCaleb. Dan, it's good to be back. What's up? Hey, welcome back. You got the start of Major League Baseball season. You've got the Masters uh, starting today with, with Tiger Woods playing in it. But the best theater of all might be in Springfield where uh, lawmakers are trying to get a budget and other things done by uh, Friday's deadline. We're recording this on um, Thursday morning, April 7th. Uh, Lawmakers gave themselves an April 8th deadline to get everything done. And guess what? Business as usual. They waited the last minute to just about cram everything into the final couple of days. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, because of where we're taping this and, and where we are with regard to session here in Illinois, um, I'm going to advise everyone to stay with the center square. There absolutely will be 11th hour surprises in the Illinois session. There's just so much work that hasn't been done and um, bills that, you know, that we haven't had a chance to talk about because Nothing's been done with them for for for, for weeks, and in, in some cases months. We have a lot of things that are sitting around that are going to come across the transom um, this weekend. So we promise to, to uh, make sense of them uh, as best as we can now, and then certainly stay with the center square through the weekend, as we'll have wall to wall coverage of what's going on in Springfield uh, for the benefit of our audiences at thecentersquare.com. Uh, Dan, let's talk about the budget that has been proposed. And, and again, this will be, you know, this this probably will be passed by the time that that uh, that people hear uh, this podcast. What's in it? It's big. It's a big number, forty five point six billion dollar budget proposal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in our headline, I mean, I think maybe like one of the things that's the starkest new inclusion would be a guaranteed income pilot program this is these are popping up across the country what's what's going on here in illinois well let me start with the way the budget was introduced of course governor pritzker uh introduced a budget back in february but that's that's just more of a plan for the legislature to uh start working on here it is two days before session and just yesterday house democrats finally unveiled their budget proposal in a 3200 plus page document that included an addendum of more than uh, almost 500 
um, pages um, dealing with tax policy. So here we get almost 4,000 pages uh, of a budget proposal on Wednesday, two days before the Friday's scheduled um, end of session. Could you, could you say that again? How many pages? Oh, yeah, almost 4,000 pages in total that lawmakers and taxpayers, you, me, the public, uh, have two days, essentially, uh, to get through it to find out what's in it. Democrats, House Democrats yesterday, Wednesday, um, when they unveiled their budget uh, proposal, um, held a press conference um, to talk about what's in the budget proposal. But amazingly, our, our Greg Bishop, our senior reporter covering the legislature uh, in Springfield, um, as the day wore on, he, he of course, he uncovered um, a couple of different uh, items, a few items that are in there that Democrats, of course, didn't tout or even mention at their uh, press conference where they introduced um, the budget. So just in summary, it is a $45.6 billion spending proposal from House Democrats, which would be a record um, uh, most spending ever by the state of Illinois. Um, it is beefed up with, um, of course, federal uh, tax dollars. Um, uh, Illinois, like most states, have seen increased state tax revenue over the past couple of years, but that's largely because of the federal dollars that were pumped into the economy during the, the pandemic. Um, um, you know, individual stimulus checks that went out multiple times to people, um, the PPP program that beefed up businesses during government pro during uh, government shutdowns. So there's a lot of federal dollars in there that are available now that aren't going to be available uh, a couple of years from now. Despite that, um, uh, Democrats are proposing record record spending. You mentioned universal income. One of the things that we found um, uh, in the budget that was not highlighted by, by, Demo uh, by Democrats when they announced it was a $3.6 million uh, pilot program for universal income program. And what that, what, what universal income uh, is, which is gaining popularity, pro uh, particularly among progressive, progressives, progressive Democrats across the country, is essentially giving free taxpayer dollars. So it's not free, giving money um, to lower income individuals um, that uh, taxpayers pay for um, without, you know, any ties to working or anything like that. So th th this would be the, as far as I know, the first of its kind by the state um, of Illinois. Uh, Democrats are saying it's just a pilot program. We're going to want to go see how it goes. But when you introduce these things, these types of social welfare programs, it, it we, we know it can always be difficult to get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, virtually, virtually impossible. And the idea of, of treating a, um, a section of Illinois like a third world country that's um, that requires uh, subsidy is uh, it's somewhat galling. I was just looking back as we were talking, and it was you know through the miracle of of time and the internet, that the Senate proposal, U.S. Senate proposal on the infrastructure bill, a trillion dollar proposal that came out last August and has floated around for I don't know how many months that would be, nine months, which is it's 20, also now law. It, it did get right. the infrastructure. Yes, yeah, so. twenty seven hundred pages. <laughs> so somehow, I mean, in Illinois, it, it's 4,000 pages to articulate 45.5 billion 
where you've got a trillion dollar infrastructure bill or what was pro then proposed as a trillion dollar infrastructure bill. I don't remember what the actual number was in the final, but for those of you keeping track at home for, you know, completely unreadable, inaccessible government, you know, there you go, 4,000 pages. Um, what are the other fun things in here? I see that's maybe a raise for, for lawmakers, 25. potentially 2,500 bucks a piece. Well, that'll help. Um, let's see. $500 million for, for pension debt, uh, the $900 million for a rainy day fund. And then and, and let me, let me, let me just jump in there. Yeah, go are, ahead. Those are actually two, two good things. If you can, if you can afford them, um, Illinois got the most underfunded, uh, pension systems in the country. Sure. Um, um, taxpayers at some point are going to be on the hook for that more. The state says it's more. It's a. It's more. A little over 140 billion dollars in pension um, debt. Actuaries who are experts in this field say it's actually more than 200 billion dollars, and that does not. Both of those figures don't count the amount of the, the taxpayers are on the hook for for state employee state retirees health care. That's just their pensions. Right. Um, so paying down that debt is something we should have started addressing decades ago. Um, not now, but because of this influx of federal money, um, um, it, it's doable this this time out. And 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 having a rainy day fund to pay for downturns in the economy is a good thing. Um, um, I guess depending on how it gets spent, but I mean, we didn't right. have one before, so we wouldn't really know how we would have spent a rainy day fund here in Illinois during the pandemic. Because what was it? We had fifteen minutes worth of rainy day. Funding available. At the start of the pandemic, I don't. Th I think you're, you're giving them too much credit. I think it was more like seven minutes. I'll tell you what; those were the best seven minutes of my life. <laughs> uh, in the top, in the top five, I would say about the best seven minute segments of my life. Um, let's see what else is in here that's kind of interesting. One of the interesting things that 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 was included in the Democratic proposal. Total politics. Remember, this is also an election year, right? Yes. Sir. Um, to, total politics is a requirement that gas state. We because of the influx of of, of uh, tax dollars, both federal tax dollars and state tax dollars, um, because of rising inflation uh, that's hammering um, folks across the state, across the country. You, um, you, consumer costs have, have risen more than seven percent year over year. Um, in part because of poor federal uh, uh, spending policies. One of the proposals is to give a bit of a tax break to Illinois taxpayers who pay among the highest taxes in the country. And Democrats' proposal is to suspend, suspend this year's automatic inflationary increase of the gas tax. Remember in 2019, Governor Pritzker's first year in office, the Democratic-controlled uh, legislature doubled the state's gas tax, went from 19 cents a gallon to 38 cents a gallon. Governor Pritzker signed off on it, and they also included an annual inflationary increase um, in the price of gas. So that 38 cents a dollar is now almost 40 cents a dollar mm -hmm. just in the state gas tax. Right. Um, and this year they're going to suspend that one cent uh, a gallon inflationary increase, and it's temporary. It would be a, a, a six-month um, suspension. Democrats had the gall to put in this bill a requirement that gas stations across the state put oh, stickers yes. 
put stickers on their pumps saying, hey, um, we're not going to, you're not going to pay, you're not, it, they don't go into the specifics, the one penny on top of the doubling of the state gas tax. Right. But the state has suspended this year's tax, state gas tax increase, a requirement that, that um, uh, gas stations across the state put a sticker on their pumps telling motorists that, hey, the state legislature is not raising your tax, your gas tax this year. Hey, Dan, that's transparency right there. Yeah. I mean, that's how you do it. Um, you know, there are there already are uh, a fair number of gas stations where I go that have stickers uh, on the pump. Uh, and they're typically, you know, stickers of Joe Biden pointing at the cost. And it says, I did this. <laughs> so, I, I mean, are those going to replace the Joe Biden stickers or or is there going to be a, you know, will there be like a... Um, I mean, a Governor Pritzker sticker, or I mean, will there be? Is it? I mean, are these stickers going to be suitable for us to put on our own vehicles as well? I mean, I'm big on these stickers. I think they're it's a fascinating uh, piece of public commentary. Of course, there's nothing in the budget about who's going to pay for those uh, stickers. If it, it still has to get passed, let's keep in mind this is all proposals right now until both the House and the Senate pass these and Governor Pritzker signs them. It's not uh, not law, but this was a proposal that's in the House Democrats budget. Doesn't say who's supposed to pay for it, whether it's taxpayers or whether these businesses, these these gas station owners yep. um, um, themselves uh, would oh have goodness. to pay let's for hope, it. Let's hope not. I mean, that, the idea of the sticker, you know, I mean, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Want, it's stupid. The, the, the industry stupid. has already come out and said it's unconstitutional. It would be forced speech, yeah. which would be a, a First Amendment issue force political speech because the idea behind it is <laughs> i guess um having having you know in this having motorists see oh we, we we're not raising your taxes this year in an election year of course in november every single state house representative seat is up every single state senate seat is up governor pritzker um is running for re-election um this year so it's an attempt by them i guess to to uh, 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 propagandize the, the legislative session. Mm. Well, nice try. Good effort. Um, what else is in there, Dan? I mean, the budget's big, man. 45.6 uh, billion. What, uh, um, what else is in there? The K-12 school funding, an additional $350 million there. Uh, and then another 5% increase across the board for public universities. We didn't get into the dollar figure on that in our reporting, but that's a big chunk of change. What else? It's not clear, but um, uh, they want to give the hotel industry, of course, which was decimated um, by government shutdowns, by Governor Pritzker's shutdowns, let's accurately uh, say that, um, of, of uh, businesses such as hotels and restaurants and everything else uh, during the pandemic who has suffered greatly um, because of government's response to the pandemic. Uh, there, there's some lump of money would go to the hotel um, industry, increased spending um, for police, which we're going to talk about here uh, in a few minutes about um, uh, what's going on with public safety uh, in the during the legislative session. It's just pretty much everybody across the board is is getting more money in the proposal. In the in the proposal. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see what what comes across the finish line on this, and we expect that to take place uh, by the well, end of business 
Friday, but you know, if it takes yeah. till Saturday or Sunday, it's not unprecededented. We'll not, not that, yeah, it. it probably won't be the end of business. It'll probably be closer to to the wee hours of the morning. Remember, Illinois famously, um, former former House Speaker, infam infamously stopped the clocks at the Capitol um, a, a, a few years ago because the deadline to pass legislation with only a simple majority. Um, uh, was was at midnight. This was back uh, one session went through the end of May. Yep. Um, uh, Speaker Madigan famously had the clocks turned off, so it never turned past midnight in the Capitol, so they could get tax increases um, uh, uh, passed through with simple majorities instead of super majorities where they would have needed some Republican um, support. So right. who knows? Anything could happen in Springfield. Michael Madigan is no longer... Um, the speak, speaker, Emmanuel Chris Welsh, is now a speaker. When he took took the gavel um, at the beginning of last year, he promised a brand new day uh, in Illinois. Um, uh, but the way this budget has been managed, it's 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 the same old, same old. It's business as usual. It is not a brand new day. This is exactly how Speaker Matt, former Speaker Madigan, um, handled the budget, releasing it at the last minute, so uh, taxpayers legislators and other interested parties didn't have time to understand what was in it. Um, it was crafted by Madigan and his, his, his legislative leaders. Um, uh, and that's exactly what happened again this year. Yeah. I don't suspect that, uh, that anybody in the legislature is going to propose um, that there be a, a 30 day review period for the budget so that, you know, that, that people could have a, a chance to read it. I mean, even 30 days to read 4,000 pages would be pretty am ambitious. Right. Not going to happen. <laughs> All right. So talk to me about um, what's going on with uh, crime in Illinois. I mean, we're, you know, this is, uh, this is budgetary as well. Parts of it are budgetary. Yes. Um, um, Democrats have proposed increased spending on law enforcement um, and uh, public safety. Um, measures in the state. Um, Republicans are saying Democrats are trying to be revisionist, are trying to rewrite history because Republicans have been calling for for many of these public safety measures um, for years. It happens to be an election year. Increased violent crime in Chicago and other parts of the state. Um, voters have noticed, taxpayers have noticed, and it's become a big issue. So now Democrats uh, finally um, want to try and address that. So they've proposed um, increased funding for police, uh, for things like body cameras, um, non-lethal equipment to subdue suspects, um, more cameras on highways, um, and more coordination between local police departments and state police um, to address the, the, the rising carjacking yeah. um, problem, enhanced penalties um, for this these the, the the increased retail theft where organized gangs are going into stores, um, breaking windows, breaking display cases, but breaking glass on display cases and running out with all kinds of merchandise and reselling the, the merchandise online. So Democrats uh, in 2022, um, of course, in election year, as we've mentioned, um, finally recognized that the rising crime in Illinois is a significant problem that voters are worried about. Yeah. You know, Dan is, uh, you know, our, our partner 24 seven wall street who produces uh, some uh, data stories uh, for the center square had a piece that just came out uh, in the last, 
Oh, I think it's in the last day. So this came out like Wednesday morning. Um, talks about the increase in crime in um, metropolitan areas, all metropolitan areas. And, and of course, you know, in, in, small, in smaller markets, the instance rate of crime per 100,000 you know, is often greater than the instance rate of crime in, in, in major cities. But both Danville, Illinois, which came in at number two, and Decatur, Illinois, which came in at number 14, each showed up on this chart. And this is based on 2020 data. And this is the, these are the robbery rates for those, for those markets. The, the total number of reported robberies in Danville was up 18% um, from 2019 or 2020 from 2019. And um, the, the uh, Danville number was up 19, I think it was uh, up uh, about 19%. So, I mean, it's, these are like, I'm sorry, Decatur was up 13.2% and the, uh, from a rate standpoint and, uh, Daniel's up 18.9. I mean, it's pretty and ridiculous. This, yeah. And these are 2020 numbers. Of course, this was during the, the height of the pandemic when governor Prisker essentially locked, uh, down the state. People didn't have anything to do. Um, people suffered from significant mental health issues, substance abuse uh, increased, um, depression, cases of depression increased. And, uh, you know, when that happens, um, um, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, violent crime is a, we, when we talk about violent crime, we generally talk about Chicago, but it's not just Chicago, right? right? It's, it's happening everywhere. So, you know, the, the, one of the pieces of, um, of legislation, you know, in, in, in this, uh, in Springfield, uh, it's still sitting there would be, uh, this anti-carjacking bill. Yeah. Of course, you know, we've talked about carjacking here. We were not to say we, we discovered carjacking, you know, we can't the crosstalk segment can't take responsibility for discovering carjacking, but I mean, we are among the first to say, my goodness, these like the instance rates of carjackings, and I'm talking about in 2020. I mean, during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I, I, they, but I it's mean, continued. It has continued. It hasn't stopped. Yeah. It hasn't stopped. I mean, murders in Chicago have cooled off like slightly, but that just might be there are just fewer people to shoot. You know, I mean, and so you know, I mean, there's still plenty of cars out there to steal, and with the pressures in the in the used in new car markets, I mean, stealing stealing a car. I have to be honest with you. It's a thought that's crossed my mind, but I would never carjack a car. Just of course not. Of course Just to not. be clear. But yeah. I mean, so there's talk, there's talk like Democrats in Springfield are talking about a five billion dollar social program to address carjacking. So instead of like kids carjacking uh, or committing carjackings, what we would we would do what with them? What what what, what exactly would we do? That, to get that, the root of the problem. Right. That's one of the interesting things you know, about this entire storyline is a, a lot of those increases in car, things like carjackings um, were committed by juveniles, folks under 18, folks who weren't in school for large portions of 2020 uh, and 2021. And the goal of this, now, you, can throw, you can throw money at any problem and it doesn't necessarily fix it. In fact, there's there's numerous examples where throwing more money 
um, uh, at an issue, just take public education as 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 one, yeah. does not result in better outcomes. But the goal is to develop more youth programs, um, identify um, um, you know problem neighborhoods where uh, lower income families live, some many in in one parent households, mm-hmm. um, things like that, to give these kids something else to do. Now, whether that's, we won't know for years whether throwing this much money at those kinds of programs is going to have any impact um, whatsoever. I'm skeptical. One of the other interesting things uh, about this bill, particularly targeting uh, carjacking, is to give the state uh, attorney general you know, these are mostly handled locally, right? Right. A, a carjacking ha- happens in Chicago. It's the city of Chicago's business. It's the Cook County State's attorney's business to prosecute those right. things. Uh, one, one of the interesting things about this is it would give the uh, state attorney general the power um, uh, to investigate and prosecute some of these local uh, crimes like carjacking. And what does that say about the job uh, that Cook County State's attorney Fox is doing? Um, that's one of the one of the problems with increased crime in Chicago and around the country has been you you have these progressive district attorneys, right. states attorneys, um, just refusing um, to prosecute uh, certain offenders of these crimes. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's it's catch and release. And, you yeah. know, I mean, and so I mean, it's just the the, the circle of that, you know, just continues to to to, to turn. Um, and it's, cre- it cre- it's created um, increased conflicts between police departments and prosecutors' offices because yeah. the, the police uh, uh, do noble work, hard work. Um, they're the first responders on the scene of some of these crimes. They have to, you know, you know, either console victims or see in cases of murder. Um, you know, uh, deal with uh, murders, victims, families, and things like that. And then they have to investigate the crimes, which is not easy work because in, in some instances, many instances, you don't have cooperating risk, uh, yeah. witnesses. Um, and then when they gather enough evidence, arrest the suspects, and then they turn the suspects, you know, over to the criminal justice system. And then you have prosecutors just let them out. You know, that relationship that, you're, that you just described there, um when you talk to people in law enforcement, uh, police officers, people are out actually doing the work, rounding up, you know, criminals and trying to keep the streets safe for uh, for citizens. That's not overstated. Um, I, I think what's happened to policing in the last two years is is been just absolutely terrible for the country, and it manifests itself here in in Illinois, in big towns, and in small. You know, the the, um, the distance that we're putting between the police and their ability to do their job, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, if you have to risk your life to go and apprehend someone only for them to be, you know, turned loose by radically left leaning um, prosecutors and, and then and then judges as well, you know, I mean. It, it, that 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 is that's not a formula for success. That's no. not a formula for success. Uh, and, and you know, this is the Illinois Illinois in Focus um, podcast, uh, obviously powered by the Center Square. The Center Square covers all fifty states across the country, and you're seeing this similar type of conflict happening in many major cities 
um, across the country. We just wrote a story this week out of Houston um, where the uh, Houston police um, have gotten so frustrated um, with the criminal justice system um, that they put out a list of, and this is in this case, it's judges of nine judges um, who have released convicted murderers on low or no bond, only to have those folks who have who are facing um, charge murder charges go back out after they've been released with no or low bond and commit other violent acts and be right. rearrested. Um, and that's that's the, the these past couple of years that's uh, too common of a theme and it's outright scary. Yeah. Well, I think we'll have a clearer picture of what makes it and what doesn't make it. You know, in in a in a couple of days that that seems extremely misguided and throwing more money at at problems that without solutions that make any sense. Um, no thanks. I'm I'm good with that. I think we have plenty of those that exist already. Let's talk about this piece of legislation that aims to go after legislators' pensions if they face criminal charges. Hmm, I wonder who that might be connected to. Um, so tell me more about that. This is I'm talking about House Bill 5737. This is... Um, Filed by State Representative Amy Ellick, and it's clear it has one particular target in currently. But let's face it, this is Illinois, um, and there's uh, there's a lot of love to go around on the yeah, corruption right. train. So she she filed the bill about a month after uh, former longtime Speaker uh, House Speaker Michael Madigan was indicted on 22 counts of corruption and related charges, and um, uh, Madigan has ple- pleaded not guilty. Um, says he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and it's, it's expected to be, this is going to be a long drawn out um, court case, right? Uh, Madigan, through due process rights, he has the right to um, face his accusers at a, at a trial. And while all that's going on, he's collecting a massive uh, pension funded by taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Representative Ellick's bill would... Um, um, ban lawmakers who are facing charges charges of corruption related to their jobs, related to their, their elected um, jobs, would suspend those pension payments to them until there's, um, uh, until there's a resolution uh, to the case. Right now in Illinois, only if you are convicted of a crime do, uh, do you face losing your taxpayer-funded pensions. Um, Representative Ellick's bill would like to um, suspend pension payments to uh, elected officials um, uh, who are facing charges, who are, who have been charged with a crime, but yet, but haven't yet gone to trial, um, or there there hasn't yet been a, a resolution to that. Unfortunately, she's been trying to gather support among lawmakers um, for whatever reason. Um, it doesn't like look like she's going to get the support um, that she needs to get this bill passed. Well. At least she tried. And I, I think, you know, when you look at a, at a piece of legislation like this, that um, it should be considered as bipartisan piece of legislation. I mean, there yeah. should be a, an ethical boundary in which we, you know, anybody that we would send to Springfield would have to operate. And, you know, the idea that this is just, you know, aimed at Democrats because it's coming from a Republican 
Um, I mean, of course, you know, that's uh, that the, I, I don't some, you know, some pieces of legislations come uh, legislation come forward and they're sensationalized. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's it's they're, they're hyperbolic. Right. This doesn't seem that hyperbolic to me. I mean, if, if you know, if, if we're going to deal with with, you know, with uh, the actual problems that exist in corruption. This would seem like a reasonable way to make a standing threat or to put up a barrier, however you choose to look at it. You cross this line, you're going to lose your pension. Yeah, and one, one more one more thing about this particular bill, that if, if a, uh, um, uh, an elected official who is charged with a crime uh, a, a charged with a corruption-related crime tied to their their job, their elected job. Um, if uh, if they are found not guilty at jury, or prosecutors decide to chart to drop the charges because maybe they don't have enough evidence, um, they would get back pay on their pensions. So you'd suspend their pensions immediately when they're charged. Um, but if 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 they're not convicted of a crime, they could get all that money back. So it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't um, punish someone who maybe an overly aggressive uh, prosecutor uh, right. who doesn't like a specific politician goes after them. Uh, they could get that money back. Yeah. So it's, it's a reasonable piece of legislation. Yeah, the idea that there were the, you know that we pay the kind of pensions that we pay for a a, a part time job. I mean, it's bananas. It's bananas. So if the argument against this internally, you know, within the legislature, which has to approve this, you know, so so it's again ethics, right? They have to look at corruption as as an actual issue that is facing their political body. They would have to pull back from that and say, okay, time out. We need legislation like this. Absolutely. To to ensure that future generations of legislators in the state of Illinois stay inside the lines. Well, look, so the only reason you wouldn't sign something like this or sign on to something like this, support something like this, and ultimately vote for something like this, is that you'd be concerned that maybe you haven't done that, right? I mean, yeah. if you've lived a clean life, what's yeah. your fear there? Right. And particularly in a state like Illinois, where there's just this long history of, of corruption by elected officials. I mean, Madigan has been the main conversation when it comes to Illinois corruption um, recently. But there, how many lawmakers have been uh, have been uh, charged with crimes during this one federal investigation? Right. How many former right. governors right. have right. been convicted and sent to jail? Yeah. For I mean, on the on the on the Mount Rushmore of Illinois, you know, corruption. I mean, if Madigan is you know is is, is found guilty, I mean, they might have to get a, we might have to get a new mountain, you know, to to add the face. There's a lot of faces <laughs> on the mountain already. Sure you know? So. We don't even have any mountains in Illinois. We'd have to rent one. That could be in the twenty-four fiscal year budget for Illinois. Oh, don't give anybody any ideas. Now. Mountain. We need a mountain. Wow. Hey, lastly, Dan, um, I don't drive around Chicago very often, but but when I do, I drive fast. <laughs> Beware! Of get that. out of there. Get uh, get in. Get out. Get on my way. You know, uh, uh, the bad idea, right? Because if you're going now six miles an hour over the speed limit. And you run by one of these, you know, these like speed cameras that they got set up. 
it's going to cost you money. Last year alone in, in, in Chicago, they issued 2.8 million speeding tickets, it's largely in, through these, these speed cameras, 2.8 million. It's, it's, it's insane. And it's, and it, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, um, it, it's, it hurts. It hurts everybody across the board. Right. Um, yeah. it, 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 one of the things uh, studied by the Illinois Policy Institute found is that a significant portion of these traffic tickets or these speeding tickets, excuse me, are um, being doled out in low income minority communities who, you know, if you, you're facing, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a fine that you weren't anticipating, that can really impact your, you know, your household budget. And what you can you know, afford, the, particularly said, with inflation. Yeah. 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 No, it said that, you know, there's 160 cameras set up around the city. Okay. Um, apparently, 27 of those cameras generated more than a million dollars each. So they paid for themselves. Right. Um, but where the ticketed enforcement is occurring is kind of interesting. Right. So of that 89 million, 20 million of that was on the south side of the city alone. Yeah. And when we say the south side of the city, I mean that's that's actually it's not just everything south of 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 you know of, of Madison, you know, all the way down. I mean, the south side is the is the south side. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a designated cutout of the city. And um, how many of those fines were related to carjackings, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're doing out. Fines for carjacking is a bigger problem. Is but we um, essentially what this is is a cash grab by the city of Chicago, right? Properties um, are high, uh, all taxes and other fees, assorted fees are high in Chicago. So this is what across the state, but this is Chicago's way of saying, hey, we we need more revenue, but we don't want the negative headlines of raising property taxes yet again or raising the sales tax, one of the highest sales taxes in the country in Chicago, once again, <laughs> or adding, um, I, I don't know, adding another five cents a bag tax on plastic bags that you get mm -hmm. at the, the grocery store or the pharmacy or, or, or whatever. So this, this is just a backhanded way of increasing taxes on Chicago residents. And those of us who occasionally have to stop by and see what's going on. Right. Visiting uh, boarded up buildings in the city of Chicago. Um, Dan, I think we're out of time. You know, next two days are going to be hectic at the center square. I do urge our listeners to to pay attention to what's going on in Springfield. You can read all of our coverage at the center square um, dot com um, because guess what? Your tax dollars are going to are, uh, are be spent. Yeah, that's right. You might want to pay attention to that because, uh, you know, it, 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 it could affect you. And by could, I mean it will. Yeah. Um, for Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. This was commentary powered by the Center Square in the Crosstalk segment. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what we're working on next week. Next week, the team from the Center Square will begin to unpack the budget lawmakers approved and review some of the more than 250 bills that are expected to be queued up for the governor's signature. This has been Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop.